When a couple gets married at the church, they benefit from something that we call Great Start, an early marriage ministry program. The first step is for them to go and fill out this online questionnaire that we call the Prepare. One of the questions that they always fill out is this, have you ever broken up? I always look to see how they answered that particular question because it might give us a clue as to their relationship dynamics and their relationship history and what steps I might take to build a healthy relationship going forward. If Mary and Joseph were filling out the prepare, they would have to put an asterisk by that question and write in the margins, well, we almost broke up once. Today's story from the Gospel of Matthew is about that moment when Mary and Joseph almost broke up. You might think of this passage as one of those family letters that you get this time of year with the Christmas cards. Some folks only write about, you know, how little Johnny is on the honor roll again, and the whole family learned to water ski in formation behind the boat over the summer. But other people tell the truth. Life this year has had some ups and downs. Matthew tells us the unvarnished truth about Mary and Joseph's courtship. They almost broke up. In biblical times, the period of engagement was actually a legally binding contract. A couple might be engaged for some time, maybe even for years, living apart with their families until they married and moved in together. But if the engagement was broken off, you'd have to go to court and you'd have to get what is the equivalent of a divorce. So Mary and Joseph are engaged, and Joseph learns that Mary is expecting a child, not his child, but a child. The Jewish religious law was clear. This was not only grounds for divorce, but Mary could, by religious law, be severely punished. And she will now have to figure out a way to raise a child without the benefit of a husband's income, which in biblical times was an absolute poverty sentence. Joseph decides, well, I'm not going to make a big deal of it. He, he actually decides to take the high road. He does not want to humiliate this woman whom he loves, no matter how brokenhearted, no matter how angry and embarrassed or betrayed Joseph feels by his sweetheart Mary. And so he decides, according to the text, to dismiss her quietly. And then he has a dream. It's the craziest dream you can imagine. In the dream, God, speaking through an angel, tells Joseph not to break up with Mary. The angel dances in Joseph's mind and awakens his heart. The angel tells Joseph, go ahead, walk down the aisle. Take Mary as your wife. Welcome the child about to be born into your own family lineage. Claim Jesus as your own son. Well, when Joseph wakes up from the dream, he must have had a terrible headache. What to do now? God says through the law, divorce Mary. But God says through the voice of an angel in a dream, take Mary as your wife. Take Jesus as your son. Surely this is not how Joseph imagined his home life to go. It has become terribly messy and complicated. 
three artists have captured this very moment when Joseph finds himself torn about what to do next. In 1640, the artist George Latour painted Joseph submerged in a dark room, wrestling with what to do. You can read the worry lines on his face as he rubs his tired eyes. See below, he's holding the book of scripture in his hand. He wants to do the right thing, to follow God's written law. And there stands before him the little girl, her hands outstretched before him as if she's bringing him a message, an angel. But see there, there is only one source of light in the painting, and it comes from the candle in the middle of the room. Rembrandt also painted this scene. Joseph sleeps with his eyes half open. He seems deep in thought with his hands clasped in prayer, but his attention is on his fiancee, whom he loves as she rests her body against his knees while she slumbers. Behind Joseph, an angel with wings taps gently on his right shoulder as if to say, Psst, I have an idea for you, Joseph. So here sits Joseph, stuck between a rock and a hard place, between his fiancée and the divine guidance of God, stuck between conventional wisdom and the inner nudge of the spirit that arises sometimes from our dreams. And finally, we have this painting from Gandolfi. I relate to Gandolfi's version of Joseph. He's so tired and worn out. He's actually fallen asleep in his chair. His rumpled collar conveys how frazzled and exhausted he is. How can he handle the family scandal that now engulfs him? How does he begin to discern what God desires when God seems to send Joseph conflicting messages. And here, the angel points in another direction. Here, the angel offers a path that defies conventional wisdom. Instead of a direct move forward or back, the angel suggests a sideways move. The artists paint Joseph, but they also capture the human predicament that we all face. For we have all had moments when we were torn about what the right thing to do actually was. A few weeks ago, I listened to a podcast called How I Built That. It always features some sort of successful business venture like Southwest Airlines or Fitbit and then tells the story of how an entrepreneur built that. But this episode was different. Two whole episodes were needed to tell this story because before you could understand the growth of the business, you had to understand the relationships behind the business. It's the story of Andrea and Robin. Andrea grew up in New Zealand. Andrea's mother died of cancer when she was six and she was raised by a foster family in New Zealand because she had no father. Robin grew up in California and was also raised by a single mother. One day, the adult Robin, living in the United States, receives a call saying that her biological father has died, and his dying wish was for his family to find his two daughters and let each of them know they have a sister. 
Robin decided to go and to meet her father's family. And after several years, they were able to track down the other sister, Andrea, who was 10 years younger and raised in New Zealand. They called Andrea on the phone and they asked her if she would like to meet the sister whom she never knew existed. And it turns out she was in the United States on a visit at that very moment. And so they decided, what could we do? And the next day, the two sisters met in New York City. They recognized each other instantly in the airport because they looked so much alike. And what could have been terrible turned out to be an amazing gift. The sisters then decide that despite having no capital and no experience whatsoever in making wine, that they will begin a wine business. And today, these sisters, Andrea and Robin McBride, who grew up on different continents as only children, together as sisters, own the largest black-owned winery in the world. This story reminded me of the complexity of human relationships. All of us are part of a, a web of human family. All of us have these moments when we must wrestle with which path to take. What is the right thing to do? On the Moth Radio Hour, Mrs. Collier shared her story. Mrs. Collier and her husband raised their son and daughter with a strict script. You follow the rules that mom and dad lay down. You do what mom and dad say, and you do not color outside the lines. Their daughter, she followed the script to a T. She went to school, earned her degree, got a good job, married a nice man, gave birth to a child, and quit the good job to become a stay-at-home mom. The son, he wrote his own script. He didn't do what mom and dad expected, the rebel. As an adult man, he was still living in mom and dad's basement. One day, he disappeared. No word from him for two weeks. No texts, no phone calls, no emails. And then he comes home and tells his mom and dad, I'm going to be a father. When, said the mom. Yesterday, he replied. What? She was devastated. She wept. She walked around through Target sobbing and shopping. She called a friend. She had never even met the girlfriend, and now she's despondent. The next day, she calms down. She goes to the hospital. She's going to meet the baby. First, she meets the baby's mother and the other set of grandparents. And then they place the baby in her arms. And she said, my heartbreak broke wide open. She looked into the baby's eyes. She saw in the baby's face, her son's face, her husband's face, her daughter's face, her own face. And she remembered what she had heard a famous author say one time. When your child walks into the room, does your face light up? And she said she determined in that moment that for the rest of her life, that when that child walked into the room, her face would always light up because then he would know how much he was loved. Sometimes our lives do not follow the script that we had imagined. <laughs> 
The story of Joseph reveals to us that God has this amazing way of moving among a family and transforming that family into vessels of grace and mercy and love and tenderness. When Joseph decides to listen to the voice of the angel, some folks may have scoffed and thought, that's outrageous, it's insane. But such unpredictable family moves, they were part of the way that God had been moving among Joseph's family for many generations. Matthew's gospel begins the whole Christmas story by naming those 42 generations from Abraham to David to Joseph. And only four women are named in that long list of fathers. Abraham begat Isaac, begat Jacob. And the four women who get honorable mention in the genealogy are the ones who filled the messiest chapters of the Bible. Tamar and Rahab and Bathsheba and Ruth all had stories filled with scandal and tragedy. Yes, it's true, there were affairs and accusations of prostitution, and not one of those four women was of the proper religion or nationality. Not one of them was Jewish. They were outsiders. Truly, all of them were cause for a potential breakup in the entire family story. And yet... And yet, this messy story is the way in which God chose to send God's own flesh and blood to the world. When Joseph chooses to take Mary as his wife and claim Jesus as his son, it's the fifth scandal in that long family story. It is one more chapter of how God comes to be with us in the messiness of human relationships, not in spite of us, through us. Howard Thurman, a a modern-day saint, wrote a book that includes a beautiful section of Christmas meditations. And in one of those meditations, Thurman captures this very moment where human folks like Joseph have to decide what we will do in the midst of our real lives. He says that we have these moments where all that we are seems to hang in the balance. And there we wait for a gentle nudging of God's spirit to break the tie. I love that. We wait for the gentle nudging of the spirit to break the tie. And then, says Howard Thurman, God sends us in a new direction. At the beginning, we looked at three paintings. And now I ask you to look at another painting. I can't show you this one. In fact, you're the only one that can see it. Look around. Look around at your life. Who's in your story? Maybe there's an annoying brother-in-law whose politics offend you. Maybe a spouse who isn't perfect. Maybe a child seeking guidance but telling you, leave me alone. Maybe a friend who's sick. Oh, I don't know, maybe your painting 
is Norman Rockwell perfect? Can you see somewhere in that painting the light of God's love shining through? Can you see? Can you see over in the corner an angel of God pointing for you to walk right there in the way of love?